Gospel reading for this morning is taken from John's Gospel, beginning in the third chapter at the 14th verse. And John wrote these things. In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people could have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up, and everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, eternal life. And this is how much God loved the world. He gave his Son, his one and only Son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his Son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. And why? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to him. And this is the crisis we're in. God light streamed into the world, but men and women everywhere ran for the darkness. They went for the darkness because they were not really interested in pleasing God. Everyone who makes a practice of doing evil, addicted to denial and illusion, hates God light and won't come near it, fearing a faint, painful exposure. But anyone working and living in truth and reality welcomes God light so the work can be seen for the God work that it is. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O oh Lord, during these days of Lent, teach us to take you as you are rather than who we want you to be. Speak to us words of truth even when truth hurts, for without you we are nothing. Apart from you, we die. With you, there is life. Open our ears, our hearts, and our minds to your word for us this day. And may we truly come to know that we are only saved by your grace. Amen. In the same way that Moses lifted the serpent in the desert so people would have something to see and then believe, it is necessary for the Son of Man to be lifted up, and everyone who looks up to him, trusting and expectant, will gain a real life, eternal life. You might remember that we began Lent a few weeks ago with Jesus in the wilderness, and today's gospel refers to a strange and maybe not too well-remembered moment when the Israelites were in the wilderness with Moses. This is a story of snakes. Now, you know, I, I honestly am not too enamored with snakes. I won't run from them, but I do like a bit of warning if they are near. I think it's really the surprise that often really scares me. If I'm aware of their presence and they can't get too near to me and they aren't poisonous, 
well, then I guess I don't mind them so much, but really, I guess I don't like snakes so much after all. Now, there are people who make distinctions between snakes, and I guess that there are good snakes and there are bad snakes. I guess that a rather large, fierce-looking-to-me black snake is what one calls a good snake, and the much smaller diamondback rattlesnake is bad. But I really don't know too many people who bother to look quite so carefully and make those distinctions between snakes. I think most folks that I know would rather just avoid snakes altogether. Now, when Moses was with the Hebrews in the wilderness, he put a snake on a staff. Moses makes this brass serpent, and he has the Hebrews look up at it in order to save their lives. Now, the obvious question, I think, is just what are these people who have such strict messages against idolatry in their commandments? Just what are these people doing gazing up at this serpent in order to save their lives? Well, according to Numbers, this snake on a staff idea came straight from God. It's the same God who is said to have sent the snakes in to the, bite the people who were ungrateful enough to call the God-provided manna in the wilderness some pretty disgusting stuff. You will remember out in the wilderness, the people in hunger and desperation cried out to God for food. And God sent from heaven manna, which means, what is it? Well, now, that was a long time ago. And now the people were tired and they were lost. And they'd been eating this manna day after day. And they had the audacity to tell God that they were sick of it. Well, they said, you know, we had it better in Egypt when we were in slavery, where at least every once in a while, we had a good square meal of food. Not this day after day manna stuff. So, God sent snakes slithering across the sand to kill them for complaining. It is a shockingly violent story, this story in Numbers of sending deadly snakes. And yet, folks, all of these snakes, they belong to God. The slithering ones that are alive, the beautiful one on the brass staff, the death-dealing ones, the life-giving ones. In this story, there are good snakes and bad snakes, and they all belong to God. So these deadly ones... They bite the people, really, into their right minds. Being brought close to death, they suddenly remember how much they really do appreciate the gift of life. And they are shocked back into the recognition that they owe much to God and to Moses, who are both doing everything they can to preserve the people. They are poisoned into their senses, so to speak. And they apologize to Moses, admitting that they are sorry sinners, and they say, please ask God to call the snakes back. So Moses goes to intercede with God. But God says, guess what? The snakes, they stay. God won't take them away. Instead, 
God tells Moses to put a brass serpent on a pole and make the people look square at it. So that in the future, when they're bitten, when evil gets the best of them, they will look at the saving snake on the pole and be saved. And in looking up, instead of looking down into the darkness, they'll be saved. Well, note that Moses makes an exact replica of what the people most fear. He takes the source of their anxiety, pulls it out from underneath their feet, and puts it up on a pole and makes them look at it. And there they are to see that terrible death has become the symbol of awesome life. And somehow in the mystery of this story, the snakes that appear because of the people's sin become the very means for leading the people out of sin. The snakes that are a means to death become the way to life. And then in the very dark of night with a man named Nicodemus sitting before him, Jesus uses this shocking image as a parable of what he was going to do to save the world. You see, Nicodemus comes to Jesus under the cover of darkness with religious questions about eternal life. And Jesus speaks of snakes, darkness, light, life, salvation. And they all get mixed up together. And we don't really know what Nicodemus felt like after he left Jesus that night. So the Gospel of John, when you think about it, refers to Jesus not only as the good shepherd, but also as the good snake. He surprised us, came in among us as the living word of God. And when he opened his mouth, he spoke words of truth and love and grace. And they bit us. So we beat him, we whipped him, we lifted him high on a pole. And in lifting him up from earth toward heaven, when we truly look at him, He becomes the means of our salvation. We put a smiley face on as a creature of the light, but coiled up in our heart of hearts are death-dealing snakes. We try to make God over into a more pleasing image. Jesus is the one who comes and brings us good things who gives us what our hearts most desire, who just makes life easier for us. But we can't really ignore the one who comes to us with biting words, who makes life considerably more difficult for us, and surprises us with the truth about ourselves. So today, high and lifted up over us, Jesus is God's reminder to us that messengers of God can bring us messages we don't particularly like. And our Savior 
may just well bite us before he saves us. Look on him and be saved. Amen.